Hi, and welcome to a new edition of the OPC Foundation podcast, the home of industrial interoperability. My name is Peter Seberg, and I'm your host. Today, we'll be talking to Don Bartusiak, president of Collaborative Systems Integration and co-chair of the Open Process Automation Forum. I will talk with Don about the Open Automation Forum, what they are trying to solve, today's lack of interconnectivity between products from different suppliers, the Open Process Automation Forum, for short, OPATH members, the OPAS standard, and why they have selected OPC UA for their connectivity framework. Hi, Don. Thanks for joining. How are you? Hello, Peter. Thank, I'm pleased to be here. I'm fine. And thank you for the invitation to, to talk with you. You're welcome. Don, please introduce yourself to our listeners. Where are you from? What is your role at Collaborative Systems Integration, as well as at the Open Process Automation Forum? What have you been doing in the past? And what has been your involvement with OPC UA and the OPC Foundation to date? Okay, well, let me start by uh, the current titles um, that you you used in my introduction. So I am the president and founder of Collaborative Systems Integration. Uh, this company was started in October of 2020, just after I retired as the chief engineer for process control in ExxonMobil Research and Engineering. And Collaborative Systems Integration, we basically have two lines of business. Number one is technology and systems integration of OPAS, the Open Process Automation Standard-based systems. Our second line of business is creating products, software products, uh, again, for OPAS-based systems. I am also one of the two co-chairs of the Open Process Automation Forum. Uh, my partner uh, in that role is Trevor Cussworth from Schneider Electric. I am based in Texas. The headquarters of my company is in Austin, uh, but we also have facilities in Houston where our lab is located. Thank you for that introduction. Let's move into the activities of the Open Process Automation Forum of the Open Group. So first, what is the open group? What is what is their spirit? Yeah, the, well, the open group has been in existence for about 30 years or so. And they, they are probably most known for being the keeper of the Unix standard. Mm -hmm. So as, their, as the title, as the name of the company indicates, uh, they're all about open interoperability. The OPA forum is one of approximately 30 standards development forums that uh, are, are under the umbrella of the open group. So they're very, very well known in IT circles mm -hmm. and uh, they're, they're starting to exert influence in uh, you know, control and operational technology areas in a, in a number of ways. And I'll only cite three. One is uh, an activity called the Future Airborne Capability Environment, acronym FACE, which seeks open interoperability in avionics systems, the systems that control aircraft. Then there's the Open Process Automation Forum that we will elaborate on in, in this uh, podcast. And another one that's just started up recently, again, is targeting at oil and gas, is called 
Open Subsurface Data Universe, OSDU. So, so the Open Group's influence on industry is building out from their, their core of IT. And again, mm-hmm. they've been in existence for about 30 years. They have a very unique process for developing standards. And let me just summarize that. It's not only about the, the work, the technical work on the standard. Um, there's three activity fronts that, that are in the open groups process. Number one is address the business considerations on why that standard is needed and what, it, what will it take to be successful and a benefit, whether you're a customer or a supplier in that market. Second is the work of the standard. And the principle there is we use it in quotes, standard of standards. So the point is don't reinvent the wheel. If there's an existing standard that is applicable for the task, use it. And only when there's not an applicable standard uh, should you seek to create a new standard. The third activity track that we're working in parallel uh, is the standards conformance certification process. So that you know, the typical industry standard activity either ignores uh, cons- uh, certification, or it's done very, very late in the process, which which is not good for the customers. Right? The customers want to know that they can buy with confidence. So they're the three unique attributes of the way the open group works. Thanks. Don't reinvent the wheel. I guess we will be coming back to that later on. And. Interestingly, you you kind of brought me back uh, exactly or around those 30 years, I guess, with me, I guess, just having started or coming from university and starting as a part-time Unix uh, software engineer. Uh, Thanks for, for making that connectivity between that's still known to all of us out of IT language. And I guess that's the other thing we'll talk about more today is is about bringing IT and uh, automation closer together. Absolutely. So I understand you co-initiated the OPATH, Open Process Automation Forum within, as you just said, the open group. So I assume you did so in order to get exactly the kind of topics you mentioned addressed. Please tell us a bit more about the Open Process Automation Forum, their members, uh, the activities you are involved in other things that may be interesting to our listeners. Peter, the, the original motivation, uh, again, and this uh, took place uh, in my capacity as the chief engineer for process control in ExxonMobil, was uh, the prospect of replacing or upgrading the vast majority of our control systems in the refining and petrochemical business. And when we did the analysis on what we were going to get, we, we realized that uh, like a replacement in kind proposition to go from an old DCS distributed control system product to a currently available DCS product would be a very expensive proposition and basically add very little business value to the corporation. Mm-hmm. So, so we, we thought very, very deeply about why that was the case. And, and after a bit of time and, and a lot of dialogue with suppliers in the industry, in the, in the DCS industry, we basically concluded that just a little incremental change was not sufficient, not satisfactory. And, and we looked around at adjacent industries 
And we saw the amount of value creation coming from when you had moved to a business framework and a technological architecture based on standards for the purposes of achieving openness, interoperability, and in the unique case of con distributed con control systems, security, cybersecurity. I, I guess that's also true in IT. So that was really the the germ of the idea that motivated us to reach out to the open group to tap into the way that they, the open group addressed defining those standards for a, an open architecture. And, and so, so that, that really was the essential motivation for why ExxonMobil and we, and we reached out to other operating companies and end user companies just to make sure that this idea made sense. And, and that's really how it got started in 2016. Very good. So what is it then in maybe more detail that you are trying to solve? Right. Well, let's let's talk about maybe the pain points and the incentives. And I think this will, will touch on a word that you already used in your introduction. What we observed is with the control systems as they are, there, the opportunity to generate new business value is quite limited compared to the opportunities to create business value in in the IT technology domain. Okay, so so and mm. and that is because of the uh, closed and proprietary nature of the distributed control system. Right, so. So you can't you can't insert new technology inside the boundary of currently available DCS. It's really quite difficult. The the original equipment maker, the vendor, has to do that for you, and and they and it doesn't happen very quickly. Uh, the vendors' systems themselves are not interoperable. So so if you're an end user company with multiple manufacturing facilities, you can't get equipment from different suppliers to interoperate at the, the bottom part of the stack. I'll use the phrase edge because it might be more familiar to your audience. Mm -hmm. At the bottom part of the stack, you know, where at that first touch of computing where you're, you're talking to sensors and actuators uh, on the shop floor and you're doing that first level of computing, there's essentially no interoperability uh, in the currently available products. And then the third one, and this this one, I want to be crystal clear, is not a criticism of the suppliers. You know, the currently available DCS products were all designed, you know, at least a decade or so ago, where cybersecurity was not as urgent an issue as it is today. So we wanted to bring uh, that, that's why security is in the, the mission statement, right? Open, interoperable, secure process automation architectures. Okay, so that's the value creation side. Let me talk about lifecycle costs. Because the distributed control systems are basically monolithic, you know, if, if you want to replace one component in that system, in essence, you have to replace the entire system. That's a bit of an oversimplification, but the, the sentiment is true. And, and for that reason, we wanted to get into the concepts of modular interoperability, interchangeability, so that 
technology insertion or replacements and upgrades could be done on a component level, kind of as a maintenance activity in contrast to the, to the current state where you've got to change the whole system. And it's an enormously expensive project to do. So they, they're the pain points and the opportunities that we're going after. Very good. And I already hear a couple of, what should I say, um, similar um, features that we'll hear about OPC UA later on, security, modularity, etc. So that is what you're trying to do. How far have you come? Have you made any prototypes available, for example? Let me talk about the, I'll, I'll be quantitative and specific. So the, the Open Process Automation Forum founding meeting was in November of 2016 in San Francisco. Today, we have about 105 company members of, the, of OPAF. Uh, we have, when we originally laid out the framework for the Open Process Automation OPAS standard, we knew that we couldn't do the whole standard in one go. So we broke it up into three parts. Uh, they mapped to the versions, version one, version two, version three. Version one ad addresses interoperability. And we published version one of the OPAS standard uh, in 2019. Version two of the OPAS standard addresses what we call configuration portability, simplifies the cost of moving applications from one software or hardware platform to another. Version two was published in January or February of 2020, and we are currently making a significant incremental improvement with version 2.1 that we hope to publish. We're on schedule to publish it probably in April of 2021. Version three addresses the theme of application portability, which is really how do we abstract the software applications that the, the operating company, that the customer writes, that, that, that are used to control and monitor their facilities, how do we enable those applications to be moved from one hardware platform to another without having to completely rewrite the software code, which is the current state? So it was that one, two, three, that was the initial layout of the OPAS standard. So we're at version 2.1, the third, the third release of what was originally, now I can say four releases, you know, one, two, two, zero, two, zero, two, one, and three. And we, we expect to publish version three, maybe late 2022. Now, on your question about prototypes and real systems, uh, yes, absolutely. A number of operating companies, end-user companies, have produced prototypes of, of OPAS systems. We can't say they're using OPAS-certified products, but they're using hardware and software products that are clearly aligned with where the OPAS standard is heading. So let me just tick off each of the companies. So uh, ExxonMobil has done has already completed two prototyping projects. Uh, one one is that's called the proof of concept. It was a simulation. That is to say, there was no real manufacturing plant there. 
but it exhibited the OPAS concepts in the sense that component products from 10 or 12 suppliers were integrated into a working system. And, and the, the systems integrator for that project was Lockheed Martin, uh, a very sophisticated systems integrator. Right. ExxonMobil then did a second project called the prototype that was, was used to control an actual chemical process. It was a, a laboratory pilot plant at a research facility in New Jersey where there were 130 IO, you know, that's sensors or control valves. And that and that system was operated about four months, which is what, what it was planned to do. And it, and it satisfied all of its tests. And that project was done uh, again with Lockheed Martin and another engineering company who is pretty, who is strong in control systems, the, the Wood Group. ExxonMobil is currently working on what they call a test bed, which is the staging area for the first field trial where an OPAS-based system will be used to control an honest-to-goodness manufacturing facility in a refinery or in a chemical plant. In this case, Yokogawa is, was selected as the systems integrator for that test bed, which has been operational now, gosh, probably more than a year, and it's based in the Woodlands, Texas, just north of Houston. Mm -hmm. So other, other operating companies that have built OPAS prototypes, uh, BASF built a small demonstration unit, one that is of a size that it can be taken to trade shows. That was first shown at the Namur conference. So Namur is a, an association of German chemical manufacturers, basically, in November of 2019. At present, Saudi Aramco um, has uh, announced and has started to build an OPAS testbed uh, with Schneider Electric in Dahran in the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia. The Coke company, Georgia Pacific, a pulp and paper company, has also started building uh, what they call a demonstration board, which again is a portable unit exhibiting of a, of a small scale OPAS based system that they're going to take around to their uh, pulp and paper mills, basically for the purposes of educating the technical staff and building the business case with management. And it was just uh, announced at the ARC forum event about two weeks ago that Petronas, the Malaysian national oil company, is going to build an OPAS testbed somewhere in Malaysia, probably near Kuala Lumpur, uh, with Yokogawa as the systems integrator. So, so they're the projects that have been announced in public that I can talk about, Peter. That's great. Thanks for sharing those, which uh, obviously support or show that you have a very wide support for doing the things that you are trying to do. Uh, which brings me to the next point, which is what is it that you've learned so far and what role has OPCUA played in all of that? Okay, excellent. So in version one of the OPAS standard, in addition to, uh, in, well, basically where interoperability was the theme, there were three technical areas that were addressed in part documents of OPAS version one. Security, 
but was uh, addressed in part two. Interoperability or, or connectivity was addressed in part four. And systems management was addressed in part five. So it, it's the connectivity basis where OPC UA was selected as the, the standard to be used to achieve the interoperability quality attribute that the OPAS standard is, is striving to deliver. And uh, it's a simple statement of fact. I mean, a number of different technologies and standards were considered at the time we made that decision, but OPCUA was selected. Okay, um, that is not like a real big thing not to be expected for the people who have been listening to our podcast and what you have been talking about so far, which uh, which it is that you uh, as an organization are looking for. Of course, we know that OPCUA is capable of, and it's great to hear that you have chosen OPC way exactly for the connectivity activity within uh, your standard. Okay, final question. Is there any development you've experienced lately, any activity that may come up or any final thought maybe that you would like to share with our listeners? So OPC UA, it's such an appealing concept when, when you hear about what its intent is. And it's extremely powerful and very enabling. What we have learned is that there, there is a learning curve to use OPCUA effectively. And there's a, you know, a need for a, a maturation of the knowledge of it by the people in the industry. And I guess to some extent, the, the effectiveness of the, the tools that are available. Let me give an example It was very painful for us in the OPA forum to go through the data modeling that is required to, to use OPCUA effectively. And the reason it was painful is it kind of required a big baseline knowledge of the, the base data structures that are in OPCUA. And so the challenge was always don't reinvent a new information model, a new data model, when you can simply use a data structure that's already defined in the base types. And those of us who were doing that work, it was a bit painful, that progressive learning, that clawing and climbing up the learning curve to, to understand why that was so important and really to understand those base data types. But I can tell you now in hindsight, now that we have gotten over that hump, that investment, gosh, the power of doing it and the payoff of that investment is starting to become very obvious to us now. So when you build components in a system and you impose that requirement to use the OPCUA information modeling principles, man, when it, when it comes time to hook those products together, Gosh, is it easy compared to the, the old ways we used to do things. Sounds great. So that's a pain. You know, the pain of investment is required to achieve a much better future state. So, so that's just one example uh, of uh, maybe the learning curve that we're all on with OPCUA. P Peter, one, maybe one other specific comment about OPCUA. You know, security is very, very important. And, I'll, you know, OPCUA has authentication and security built into it. 
in the prototypes that have, we have done, it, it has tended to be that the security attributes were were in the design bases, but were were left as the you know if we could do it, we'll get to it. And so, actually, seeing the advantages of message authentication, you know, the no security, signed security, or signed and encrypt. We, we haven't really seen demonstrated yet the real power of those features that I know are native to OPC UA. So that's at maybe two data points on OPC UA. And I guess w- what I'll close with, Peter, is from a big picture perspective. And, and this was this idea was voiced by my my former vice president, Nick Clousey, uh, in ExxonMobil Research and Engineering in his remarks at the ARC forum. But what we actually see is that OPAS's challenge and what the OPATH forum is trying to do, the technical challenges are, are probably lesser than the commercial challenges of affecting this business transformation. And so what we really need to, to get to achieve the vision, um, and, and we have good cooperation from the suppliers, but there's a lot of customers who, who are still standing on the sidelines saying, well, when it's done, we'll buy it. What I would really like to persuade is the buyers, the, the end users, the customers really take a more active role. I, I realize that the technical work of a standard is not something that every operating company can afford, either because of resourcing or because of money. But if I could persuade the buy side of this ecosystem to be a little bit more active in demand for realization of the OPAS standard and the OPAS business ecosystem, that's really, I think, the biggest challenge that, that, that I see in my role. And frankly, uh, the services that my new company are, are going to provide to the customers really are going to address that, that need, which is how do we get end user companies started to use OPAS based systems? You know, reduce that fear of the unknown demonstrate value, help them make the business case to justify the investment to their managements. So that's, I guess that's that's what I see specifically about OPC UA, the OPC Foundation, and the larger initiative in whole. Thanks, Don, for sharing this uh, as a close, also your vision, sharing your experience. One or the other that has been working with OPC UA will have recognize exactly this experience and if you dear listener and you you heard on say you know become more active he would like you to become those of you in this market become more active in the opath or if you want to learn more about opc way in general opc way specifications maybe you want to learn more about the technology about the OPC Foundation, I suggest you may want to first listen to the preceding podcasts. If you have a proposal for topics, maybe you're interested in appearing on the OPC Foundation podcast, or maybe you want to join one of the OPC UA companion specification working groups, please mail the OPC Foundation at office at opcfoundation.org. We'll put both the web URLs and the mail addresses in the podcast notes as well. 
It was great to have you with us today. If you like what you heard, give us a thumbs up. Spread the news. Looking forward to have you with us again. And Don, thank you again very much for having been my guest today. It's my pleasure, Pew.